our feelings, our reflections. Oh God, we commend them to you. May you bless them now with the wisdom and love of the heavens, now and forever. Amen. I know Peter has already welcomed you, but I always, when I get the chance, I sneak behind him and do another welcome. Shall I welcome you again to uh, Cambon Church? And I'm very happy that we are worshiping together. I went into Morrison's the other day. I was, I wanted to buy an apple. You know, when you get sudden edge for something you just just need to uh, I, I kind of get a fruit rush a fruit edge uh, so I nipped into uh, Morrison's and wow I was baffled at the amazing range of choice I was literally confused and I didn't know whether I wanted an apple at that time or I wanted now a kiwi or a pear or an orange the choice, just unbelievable, just just amazing, just confusing, fair trade, locally sourced fruit, organic, inorganic, fruit from faraway lands, fruit that you could literally pick in carbon hedges. And there were the choices of two for the price of one. And I wanted one. (sighs) (laughs) Oh, mind-boggling, isn't it? But isn't it amazing that our lives seem to be regulated by choice? And I think it is surprising that every time we go to the supermarket, we don't get an attack and collapse from the anxiety of making the wrong choice. At the back of my mind is thinking, oh, did Leah say that it should be uh, coffee granules or it should be tea bags? You you literally shake (laughs) at the thought of making the wrong choice and getting reprimanded. But today I want to reflect not on our choices, but I want us to reflect on the choices that God has made about us. Because God has made a choice about us. Each one of us has been loved by God in a unique and special way. And if you are like me, you probably delude yourself that there must be some redeeming feature in you that makes God choose you, bless you, forgive you. You reckon, like me, that after all my weaknesses, there is this that I have done right. I've given enough to the church. I've gone enough number of times, not every Sunday, but I've gone enough number of times uh, to church. Uh I have given to charity. I have smiled at my neighbor. I've greeted everyone with warmth at Christmas. Uh 
there is always that sense that despite the utter badness that might be in me, there is a glimmer of something that is gold, something that is useful for God. But the Beatitudes that we have read this morning, they seem to paint a different picture altogether. They give us a picture of where might is not always right, where the best is not always to be preferred. The Beatitudes allow us to explore what makes for a Christian character. And this isn't about moral superiority. This isn't about sexual morality. This isn't about drug or alcohol abuse. This is about the amazing choice that God has made for us to come down to earth, reveal himself to us, and redeem us from our transgressions. We look at the Christian character today from the Beatitudes, which are a part of the teachings by Jesus on discipleship. Scholarship is generally agreed on that. But I just want us to picture for a moment the drama of what we have just read. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountain and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. There is a crowd following Jesus. And he takes a few more steps up the mountain. And his disciples, they follow him. They are still part of the crowd. And Jesus begins to teach them. Who is Jesus then speaking to in the Beatitudes? The crowd is there. They could hear him. But the disciples have been selected in a way. They've been given the opportunity to follow him the hill. It is arguable, of course, that the Beatitudes are addressed to these select few. And they deal specifically with character, with the duties, with the attitudes, and with the dangers of the Christian disciple. Happily for us all, the selection for discipleship is based on criteria that qualifies each one of us. A criteria where everybody can qualify. And even this teaching, as we have seen, it is within the hearing of the crowd. There is a distinction between the crowd and the disciples, but it is fuzzy. It is flexible. Even when we are selected, even when we are called, we are in a position to call others. 
and we are in a position to regress. Jesus is not giving laws and prescriptions. Despite the overall, the, the, the obvious parallels that we have with Moses going up to the mountain and uh, receiving the law, Jesus is more than a lawgiver. He just, he just doesn't give us rules and instructions when he talks to the disciples as he talks to us this morning. Each of the Beatitudes is a challenge to social holiness. It is a challenge to a relationship with other Christians, with other people, with our neighbors, with people far away from us. But I will focus just on three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. In less poetic terms, we can reflect on humility, justice, and kindness as the crucial aspects of a Christian character that are revealed in the Beatitudes as Jesus ministers to his disciples, as Jesus ministers to us today, as he ministers to the world. I've chosen these three because they also relate to the words that we have heard in our reading from Micah. Forgot to ask whether it's Michael or Mika. <laughs> this is Hebrew. <laughs> it's not English, is it? I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I might be good at Greek, <laughs> which I can say, which I can say, knowing that I won't be tested. <laughs> but is Micah is a contemporary of the better known Isaiah, who proclaimed his oracles, his prophetic sayings from Jerusalem and the royal court. The, that's, that's why we know Isaiah, isn't it? He's connected to the powerful. But he gives also a message that resonates and frightens those who are powerful. In contrast, Micah spoke from the countryside in the foothills of Judah there is immediate, of course, that contrast between Judah and Jerusalem. So Micah, Micah is less known. But he knew from personal experience, because of his kind of countryside existence, his Judah existence, he knew from experience the suffering that the policies of the governing religious and uh, political elites how they affected the poor and the ordinary people. He knew from experience. Just as we know today, how policies affect the poor, how policies affect those most vulnerable. 
We live in a world today that is dominated by injustice, by arrogance, by unkindness. Just as the time when Mika was living. We see today in the world, right from the riots that we have seen recently in Egypt and in Tunisia, and to the economic woes that we experience in this country, that the story of injustice, insensitivity, and arrogance is just unmistakable. This is the most memorable of Mika's prophetic utterances, And today it's incredible in the way it foretells what I consider to be the core message of Jesus' Beatitudes. Mega is disgusted by the grand posturing in ritual sacrifices in stupendous quantities that people spend in order to try to purchase favor from God. To buy God. To nudge God into choosing us. But it's wonderful that God has already chosen us. When we were still in our mother's womb, before we came to him, before we take the choice to follow him, the mountain. Micah shows that ritual sacrifices are ineffective and unnecessary. In the 21st century, we have our own rituals that deny others justice, that promote our own self-interest before that of others. Instead, Micah states the simple truth that God requires justice, kindness, and humility. What an apt echo to the three Beatitudes that we are looking at, that we are using to reflect on the Christian character. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That talks of humility. It is not material poverty. It is clearly poor in spirit. Can we say it together? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Can we say that together? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The second one is on justice. Shall we say it together again? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. The third one. Blessed are the merciful. For they will be shown mercy. amazing. The love of God, we just don't need a preacher. It's apparent. The choice that he makes. 
It's not exactly a tool for one. It's not exactly organic or non-organic. It's not some promotional gimmick. We often make the mistake of reading the Beatitudes as a set of rules and precepts for holy living. When what they do, in fact, is just to describe what it is to make a choice for God. What it means to reflect that we have been chosen by God. This is probably because the Greek word makarios, strictly speaking, is not blessed. The correct word, Greek word for blessed would be eulogenos. The former is more about a state of being happy or to be congratulated. It's not like God is going to come and put blessings just like that. It is just about the state that you are in. That you should be congratulated. That you should be happy. If the disciples were expecting to receive a manual when they were separated from the multitude, they were probably disappointed because they got something that was more radical. than any law or constitution would give. Jesus describes the qualities and character of blessedness that is found in probably the most ordinary, if not the most despised of life. They are a description, the Beatitudes, and not a prescription. Today we have been invited not just to feel good about coming to this amazing church, this amazing uh, building at Cambona, but we are being invited to model a life of humility, justice, and kindness. Whatever our station in life, whatever your position in the crowd or your status in Cambona, you are being called today to be humble to fight for justice and to show kindness to all whom you come across. God has chosen you with your worries and your anxieties about the future, whether you have a high education, whether you have a low education, your bad back, your aching neck, your swollen feet. God has chosen you with your private thoughts. My secret past my desperate needs, my hidden fears, God has chosen me. It's not the first time he did that for Peter. For his stubbornness, he was still chosen. For the unsavory background of the tax collector, Simon. For the zealots, They've all been chosen. For the fishermen who thought that somewhere in the Roman Empire, Jesus was going to establish 
the kingdom of God. What might this mean for us in Cambon today? We might not be in a position to remove cruel and unjust dictatorships. Although those need removal. We might not have the capacity to stop famine and hunger. And we need to feed people. We might be helpless in the face of natural disasters. You and I are frustrated by injustice, the conflict and the suffering that is in the world. However, each one of us has the capacity to actively describe an authentic Christian character based on humility, justice, and kindness. Think and act for others before you make choices for yourself in Morrison's, along the footpaths, along busy roads. Look out for opportunities to do justice, whether it is by buying fair trade, by, or by recycling, or by some form of advocacy. Be the first to forgive or ask for forgiveness in that long-standing family feud, in a broken relationship, in an unfulfilling relationship. You are happy and deserve to be congratulated if you are meek in spirit, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you are happy and deserve to be congratulated if you are merciful and you are forgiven. Amen.